Hello team and welcome back to the Simply Fit Podcast. Today I bring you some incredible news. I have been working on a secret project for the past three or four months now and I now can tell you that the brand new follow along workout channel is live and here. On this YouTube channel, you're gonna find workouts for fat loss, muscle building, improving your cardio health, flexibility, everything is gonna be on there. You're gonna find body weight workouts, dumbbell workouts, kettlebell and resistance bands workouts, all that you can follow along with. And the best part is that it's completely free. They're also around 10 to 20 minutes long, meaning if you're short of time, you can quickly complete an effective workout or you can combine like two or three of them together and complete like a full 45 to 60 minute workout. New workouts will go live on the channel every Tuesday and Thursday and they're gonna be accompanied by an amazing backdrop, which I'm sure you're all gonna enjoy. So if you wanna find the channel, just search Elliot Hassoon into YouTube and you'll find it very easily. And please subscribe. It makes me very, very happy and it helps the channel grow. And feel free to tell your friends, your family, your pets, whoever you want to share this with and let's work out together. Hello team and welcome to episode 295 of the Simply Fit podcast. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Faisal Alshua. Faisal is an author, performance nutritionist, and founder of Kayam. Over the past decade, the obesity and diabetes epidemic has been rising worldwide and specifically in the Middle East and North Africa. After a career of working primarily with athletes, Faisal has transitioned into working with the general public and is on a mission to bring down the rates of obesity and diabetes by helping people lose weight without dieting. In this episode, you can expect to learn whether food quality, quantity, or timing is most important when it comes to fat loss, what place a quote-unquote cheat meal should have in your plans, and what three principles you'll need to obtain in order to maintain your results on a long-term basis. So without further ado, Faisal Alshua. Faisal Alshua, welcome to the show. How are you today? Yeah, good Elliot for yourself, all as well. Thanks for having me on. The pleasure is mine. I'm looking forward to diving into this discussion today. And to give a little bit of context for those who may have not come across yourself before, can you give us a little bit of an understanding of who you are and what it is that you do? Yeah, definitely. So uh, my background is actually in sports and exercise science. Um, I started off as a sports nutritionist working for uh, the Qatar national football team. You know, that was back in 2014. Um, you know, my passion was always to work in football, you know, with, with, with athletes in general. So that's kind of what drove me to actually get into the field, but, you know, also pursue my dream of wanting to work in football. And um, and then, you know, I uh, started, a, you know, an Instagram account back in 2015. Uh, at the time, it was called Believe Nutrition. That was my first startup and, you know, put out a lot of content uh, with regards to how people can live a healthy lifestyle through habit and behavior change and just inspiring people to uh, to live a healthy life style and make it a part of who they are uh, one thing led to the other ended up kind of taking this from you know just a pure instagram account where i was just having fun with putting out content to actually creating a business out of it at the time i used to create uh, personalized meal plans for people but also built a habit-based curriculum so i used to take a lot of my clients through you know a habit change journey where i'd help transform their habits into healthier ones one step at a time uh, i used to work with individual athletes um, as well on the side just because you know that's that's something that always excites me and then you know a year and a half ago completely pivoted and, and digitized my nutrition and habit-based coaching into an app um, and now kind of 
you know, rebranded and pivoted once again into uh, an app called Kayam, which is basically a mindful eating and habit building app uh, to help people lose weight without dieting. So yeah, that's my uh, story in a nutshell. Yeah, it sounds incredible. And on the note of the football side of things, you mentioned it was your dream to work in professional football. What led you to moving away from that? Of course, you had the Instagram account, but it sounds like the working in football side of things was a lifelong passion. So to leave that behind, to go and jump on this business that you created off the back of creating Instagram posts is quite a big deal. Yeah, you know, it was actually really tough to kind of let go of that dream um, in the beginning. But, you know, I'm kind of accepting of the fact now. I think for me, it was, it was, you know, when you work in football, especially, you can make change, obviously, with, with those that you're working with. But uh, for me, I always had kind of this bigger desire to, to, you know, actually like transform people's lives. And with athletes, you can do that. But, you know, there's when it comes to nutrition, especially in football, it was taken, uh, it was overlooked at the time and taken for granted. So not many people kind of believed in it and how it can improve their performance. Obviously it impacted, you know, those who I worked with and was able to create like, you know, performance change. But for me, you know, I ended up kind of, uh, as I started to work with a handful of clients while still being full-time and, and with, with the national team and realizing like, you know, that the transformations I was helping people achieve that for me is what kind of inspired to shift towards the general uh, healthy public uh, population and, and really work with those who, who really need my service and those who you know want to just change their lifestyle. So it was more about that greater good of, of trying to really make an impact. And uh, obviously the region that I'm in, you know, I'm currently in Dubai, but you know, in the Middle East in general, big obesity and, epide- uh, and diabetes epidemic. So there's even a, a bigger goal and mission to kind of help decrease these rates as well. So, yeah. Absolutely. So that's some real bigger picture thinking right there. And it's an interesting topic you mentioned. And I speak to a lot of coaches and they have a similar story. It might not necessarily be at the level of a football national team, but more in the sense of you obviously get these performance increases, but these guys are almost already at the top of their game. So you're just adding that extra one to 2%, which can go a huge, huge way when it comes to elite sport. But at the same time, you're not helping someone be able to go up the stairs without being out of breath or to be able to keep up with their kids when they're running around or to, like you said, reverse diabetes or something along those lines, which is, you know, you can give the same amount of time and energy, but you almost get like a 50 or to a hundred percent bigger impact when you're working with one individual versus the next, right? hundred percent. I mean, you said it, you took the words out of my mouth. I mean, when it comes, you know, to athletes in general, for the most part, yeah, you do create that one to 2% change, which as you said, can be huge. You know, especially in like endurance sports where if you can get someone, for example, like a triathlete to finish even 0.3, 0.4 seconds, you know, ahead of of the competitor or, you know, better than his or her personal best, that's a huge change for them. But yeah, I mean, I've had many, many, you know, successful stories in the past and another one that you mentioned, which is reversing diabetes when, when you have you know when you're dealing with diabetic and then kind of work with them over several months and then they end up doing another test and then you know their, their blood glucose levels are where it should be if not lower that, that, that's what it's all about for me at the end of the day you know what i mean yeah exactly it's life-changing stuff it really is and why nutrition and not training i find that most of us fitness professionals we go down one route or we at least have a bias towards one we don't neglect the other of course but there's always one that we want to center our focus around why was it nutrition for you 
You know, funny enough, actually, so once I left, well, once I graduated from the UK, um, I left my university to get my master's in sports science. The goal was always to get into strength and conditioning. I actually stuck around in the UK after that. Um, I did an internship with, at Nottingham Trent University working as a strength and conditioning intern with, the, with their scholarship athletes. So actually, I did want to take the training route, funny enough, until this opportunity uh, Qatar came about. And then, you know, once I actually immersed myself in the sports nutrition world and uh, started to do a lot of research on it and, and um, really um, realizing the impact that it can have on, on athletes. But, you know, even just going off of the impact it's had on me once I started to change the way I eat, but then Understanding how nutrition plays a role in your physical, mental, emotional health, I really started to enjoy and I really started to, to realize the importance of, of nutrition. I mean, at the end of the day, what you put into your body is what you get out of it, right? It all starts with food. So it can play a huge, huge role um, in people's lives. So that's kind of what gained my interest to, to continue in the field. And generally, I think, you know, training nowadays is, is it's just so saturated. There's so many things out there with regards to like fitness and training. And as of with nutrition, but there's still lots and lots to learn. And, you know, things like food and the impact on gut health, for example, we know the importance of gut health nowadays. So it's, it's finally gaining the attention that it deserves. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And so if I'm honest, I have an affinity towards the nutrition side of things myself. And I think, to be completely honest, when it comes to exercise, I think it's massively important. But at the same time, I feel when you look at the school system all the way down, it's like if sport is your form of exercise, you're good to go. We don't need to really focus too much on training in the gym. Yes, towards later life, absolutely. But it's, it's somewhat of a degree. You get a good foundation when it comes to the activity side of things. But when it comes to nutrition, you're left to your own devices from day one, essentially. And I hope and I imagine I'm not so much in the school system that I know, but I'm sure there is educational stuff beginning to happen. And maybe that's something that you're looking to as well. But yeah, we're left completely to our own devices and it can somewhat have a bigger impact than not exercising because at some point most people at least are going to walk right but at the same time no one has to eat vegetables or fruit on a day-to-day -day basis but we do have to kind of move our legs if we want to get from a to b at some in some point if you know what i mean yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah i mean as they say you can't outrun a bad diet you know so yeah it, it, it all starts with, with proper nutrition and I always tell people, you know, really pay attention to how food makes you feel uh, on, you know, mental, emotional, even physical sense. Um, and once you actually are consistent with eating well, then it can really have a tremendous impact on, on your overall health and, and well-being. For sure. And you just mentioned that you can't outrun a bad diet. So how important is nutrition when it comes to our fat loss and muscle building goals? Is it something that we can achieve without looking into nutrition? Or do you think that it's like the key puzzle piece without it, it does not work? It's not only about nutrition, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, there's a big buzz now with regards to, you know, holistic health and holistic wellness. And that's exactly what it's about. You know, it's everything is connected at the end of the day. It's not only about your nutrition, right? It's about your, your sleep. It's about your exercise. It's about, you know, managing your stress levels. Uh, it's about your hydration. So all of that impacts your ability to achieve whatever goal that you have in mind. But of course, we do know, you know, nutrition does have a link to all of them. We know what the role dehydration has on your, your food choices and decisions. We know 
uh, obviously the the impact and the relationship between your exercise and, and your nutrition um, and, and for you to experience the gains that you want you know nutrition plays a key role in that but we also know uh, the impact nutrition has on sleep you know when it comes to eating well and eating enough calories it can actually um, uh, improve your your ability to to fall asleep quicker to to stay asleep uh, and overall improve your quantity and quality of sleep. Uh, and on the contrary, when you don't eat well or you don't eat enough, that can neg- negatively impact your sleep. So at the end of the day, it's all connected. And obviously, we know the, the relationship between stress and, and food, but also stress and any other, you know, uh, kind of healthy lifestyle factor that we're looking at. So um, I wouldn't necessarily put it all down to nutrition, though I think it has a high impact on on you know everything that i've just discussed but yeah i think people need to kind of look at it more from a holistic perspective yeah absolutely and what you mentioned there in terms of just before i asked that question you said how does food make you feel on an emotional level on a psychological level on a physical level it's more than just the food that we put into our mouths and how it impacts our body composition like you said it impacts just about everything in terms of our decision making and the way that we move about our day and that all ties up together. And you've mentioned some key components of nutrition. When I've heard you speak before, you've mentioned quantity, quality, and timing as being three super important foundations of nutrition. If you had to, and I know like any good nutrition professional, you're going to say they're just as important as the others, but would you put them in any specific order? (laughs) I mean, look, first of all, quality, if if I were to rank them, again, I don't think they, they can be ranked, but if I were to rank them just for the sake of this conversation, quality for sure. If I always use the example of, of uh, you know, fuel and, and a car, right? And, you know, if you were to take a Ferrari and you were to put a low-grade fuel quality into the Ferrari, then, you know, it's not going to be driving at the speed or power that it, or even the distance that it can potentially be driving at. Whereas if you put, you know, high-quality fuel into the Ferrari, then that's where you can really optimize uh, its performance. So the same thing with regards to 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 the human body and what you put in it, right? Your human, the human body is the Ferrari, and and your fuel is is what kind kind of food that you put into into your body. And if you're continually putting good quality food in your in, in your body and good quality calories and lean proteins and good carbs, healthy fats, fruits, vegetables, drinking enough water, then you'll feel great. You know, you'll optimize your mental, physical, and 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 better your emotional health as well. Um, whereas if you're continually eating junk food and sweets all the time and refined sugars and food, then you're not going to be working uh, at the best of your abilities. You're not going to be improving your your brain function. And we're not only talking about a sports perspective, right? We're talking about, you know, day-to-day life where your brain essentially uses glucose or sugar as fuel, right? And if you're not kind of giving your body good quality fuel, then things like your decision-making, your problem-solving abilities, uh, your ability to think and think critically and solve problems, all of that is going to be uh, impaired, you know? So so I'd say, yeah, quality. Uh, look, t- time. I, w- I would rank timing from a sports nutrition perspective i think timing plays an absolutely critical role you know understanding your training schedule uh, your training demands and intensity and then being able to fuel and and recover your muscles in the right time that plays a huge role right especially if you're, if you're doing competition or in days where you're training more than once your nutrient timing is, is absolutely uh, critical. And then quantity, yeah, I mean, you know, quantity is obviously really important as well. But uh, if, you were to, if you were to talk from, you know, I guess the, the clinically healthy population or just the general 
population. Quantity could potentially go second. Uh, and, and we know that these days uh, we tend to overestimate how many calories we consume and underestimate how many calories we burn. And we tend to eat way more than we should. And, and portions, if you look at portion sizes from the 50s till today, they've doubled, if not tripled in size and hence in calories. So I would say for kind of non-athletes, then quantity would be second and then timing would be, would be third. Yeah, so you absolutely, without a doubt, put quality at the very top. And I would have to agree with you there in the sense of performance and health full stop but when it comes to body composition which most people are looking for there's a lot of arguments to suggest that of course quality is important but it's not absolutely fundamental in terms of losing body fat or increasing muscle so to speak and what do you say to those people who argue that maybe quantity is more important from this perspective if i eat 1200 calories i stay within my calorie deficit even if it's with the poor quality choices i'm still going to be able to lose weight what's your feedback to those type of people I completely disagree. I completely disagree. I mean, let's say you kind of you you took a hundred calories worth of of M and M's and and you compared that with a hundred calories worth of apples. Um, yes, they are the same calories, but you're not getting in the same type of calories. You know, which which can which definitely can impact your ability to lose weight. Uh, at the end of the day, calorie counting, and I'm saying calorie count, just referring that to quantities because that's how people you know gauge how much they need to eat these days. Although I think there are other better, more uh, sustainable ways to 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 kind of measure quantities. But anyway, yeah, I mean, uh, if you were to compare two foods with the same calories but different quality, you're you're obviously gonna better, um, you know, just gain whatever it is that you're you're trying to achieve uh, from good quality calories and and your body obviously responds well and digests better good quality calories which hence can improve your overall body functions but yeah i mean going back to the idea of calorie counting it's not exact science because even if you were to take 100 calories worth of m&ms versus 100 calories of apples again your body digests and absorbs these calories differently and um you, you can better utilize the calories uh, digested from uh, you, the apples as opposed to the, the, the M&Ms, which may just kind of end up being stored there as fat as, well, as opposed to actually being burned or metabolized, you know? So I completely would disagree against that notion. Yeah, once again, I agree. But at the same time, I do think that if you do put yourself into a low enough calorie deficit and you expend enough energy, you probably still can drop body weight, maybe the quality of your body fat that you're dropping, or even the quality of your results in terms of the speed and also your health and everything along those lines are going to be impacted. But I think that people will still argue they can drop body weight or body fat whilst doing that. And that's the part I'm really curious to pick your brains on and get deep into, because if there will be a lot of people saying, yeah, hundred calories in M&Ms and apples are going to be completely different in the way they're digested and metabolized and utilized within the body. But at the same time, I am still consuming hundred calories. And as long as I keep my deficit low enough, then I'm still going to be able to lose weight. So that's where I'm curious to get an idea of what your response is to that. Look, at the end of the day, I completely agree, you know, that, you know, calorie, uh, weight loss is, is all down to calories in versus calories out. It's, it's, that's, you know, what it is, especially being in a, de- a calorie deficit whereby you're, you're burning more calories than you are uh, consuming, right? But, but again, with weight loss, it's, it's more than just being in a, in a calorie deficit. Um, you know, you have to think about, you know, first of all, what that deficit is going to look like, making sure it's not too extreme of a deficit where actually it can then backfire and hinder your ability to lose weight. Um, you have to look at the quality of food as well. 
So going back to what I'm saying, you know, if you're eating 100 calories of, of Snickers, you're, you're going to be more, more often than not, not only impacting your, your blood sugar levels, but, you know, probably just storing, storing the calories um, as, as fat in, in, in the body, you know, unless you're kind of exercising, you know, either right before or after you eat that. The, the 100 calories worth of, of M&Ms where maybe can then be used as fuel. And and then at the end of the day, I mean, it's in terms of actually sustaining that weight loss, it will be more difficult to sustain weight loss, if, even if you're in a calorie deficit by eating, you know, lower quality foods, let's put it that way. Um, and also, you know, people need to keep in mind that if you're not, you know, if you're consuming you know, sugary foods or, or salty foods or fatty foods, then that can actually increase fluid retention in the body. And so when it comes to actually the weight number on the scale, which many people fret about or, you know, focus on, then actually the sugars and the fats can absorb water, which can actually kind of maintain your weight, if not increase it, especially if you were to weigh in the day after kind of having like a, a cheat meal or a heavy junk type of meal. So that's another consideration too. Yep, there are some fairly convincing arguments, and that's exactly what I was after. I wanted some clear, concrete reasons why, in the long term especially, it's probably not the best idea. I always like to think of it as like a high-interest, quick loan. It's like something that you might get away with for a short period of time, but at some point, you're going to have to pay that back and with interest on top. And quite often, the interest is probably going to be at the expense of your health as well, which is not something you want to be playing around with whatsoever. So I couldn't agree more from that perspective. And you did mention just then that there are more sustainable ways to utilize portion control and everything than tracking calories. What are some of those sustainable ways and what do you recommend on your app, for example? Yeah, you know, a big part of, of what I used to focus on back when I, you know, was working with, with others of clients, but also kind of, you know, a big uh, part of what we do now is, is Kayam, you know, the startup that I'm working on uh, is the idea of mindful eating. Uh, mindful eating for me is, is is a great way to eat just as as a, as a you know as a lifestyle as a way to help you make simple but correct food choices um, on a daily basis. You know, so for those who are not really familiar with mindful eating, it's just it's it's more of a process or a way of eating than it is something that's kind of results or outcome focused like dieting, which is predominantly meant for for weight loss. So it's more of a way of eating, uh, and it's more about being present and in the moment with when you're eating and paying attention to what, how, and even why you're eating. Uh, so, you know, going back to the idea of quantities, you know, it's just about being mindful of, 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 of your portions, of, of how much you put on your plate, um, uh, even kind of the way you eat, not necessarily eating, you know, out of different plates in front of you or out of the box, you know, ideally portioning it on a plate where you can actually visualize visualize the food and the quantity that you're eating. But also, you know, you can actually portion control by by simply being aware of your hunger levels before and after eating. And that's part of mindful eating as well, where, you know, before eating, ideally you should be approaching your meal feeling hungry uh, and not necessarily feeling starving. Um, and so when you approach the table when you're hungry, you can actually not only make better food choices and decisions, but be able to control your portions better. Because let's say you were to start your meal starving. We've all been there before. You'll just eat anything and everything in front of you without being aware of, of how much you're eating, you know, because you're just, you probably haven't eaten all day and you just want to you know, stuff your face with food. But also it's about paying attention to how full you feel um, after eating as well. Um, and as part of mindful eating, you want to be eating to satisfied when you kind of feel somewhat neutral 
uh, as opposed to eating too stuffed or, or to the point where you start to feel bloated or just overly heavy and nauseous. Um, and so by simply just being in, in, in tune and aware of how you feel, you can actually indirectly um, impact how much food you're eating. There is a hunger scale that we use out of 10 where people can actually you know, assess how they're feeling before and after eating. And, and, and by doing that, it can really help them you know, portion control, but also just paying attention to the types of food that you put into your body, you know, actually pausing before you make a decision, thinking before you eat, understanding the quality of food, how it was cooked, um, you know, what's in it so that you can, again, make better food choices and not necessarily uh, eat mindlessly, you know, in terms of just how you eat as a, as a, as a general way to eat, but as a way to also kind of tie into portion control you know we want to be eating slow the, the slower we eat the the the, the fuller we'll, we'll feel and and hence the, the less amount of calories or food you'll consume it typically takes the the brain 20 minutes to realize that it's full so that is kind of an ideal time to finish a meal uh, obviously chewing more as well so they can better digest your food and just feel lighter but that could also can contribute to eating slower so there's so much with mindful eating i mean i can go on about it but I say the more people are in just in tune with themselves and in tune with the way they feel and just kind of develop that awareness, then they can start making the right choices on a daily basis. Yeah. And in the fast paced world that we live in and the city you're currently in Dubai, where everyone's got 110 things to do and rushing from place to place. And someone who will say, well, I don't have time to mindfully sit down and have my meal. I can just squeeze something in between meetings. What type of practical solutions do you give to those people who have got all the excuses in the world and in some ways, some legitimate reasons as well? Yeah, look, I, I don't blame people, you know, and I'm one who, who experiences this busy lifestyle. I guess the difference with me is that I've been practicing this for, for so long that it's kind of it's it's part of who I am. It feels automatic now, which uh, which means that you know I have the right habits. But for those who are kind of still getting started, or you know, in the early days of their journey, look, it, it needs constant repetition. Like you know, that developing that awareness, that the fact that you need to you know whether you get on any delivery platform or uh, if you're kind of waiting in line to to order some food at a cafe or a restaurant, just really putting some thought and effort into into the choices that you're making, you know, and and that awareness. Um, needs to continually be strengthened you know so I I think it all starts in the mind at the end of the day you know that that's a big part of of what I try to tell people to do but another thing as well you know as you start to make the right food choices you know it's important to to really um, understand how you're feeling right so uh, to and again this kind of goes back to the awareness but when you start to you know you know after eating a healthy meal for example pay attention to the way you feel right um You'll most likely feel great. You'll feel satisfied. You won't have that kind of heavy uh, feeling. Uh, emotionally, you'll feel good because you haven't, like, I guess, quote unquote, cheated. Uh, but you'll also feel good because you're actually eating good quality food and you won't get that kind of midday crash. Uh, you'll still feel focused and energized. And on the contrary, to also focus on how you feel when you don't eat a necessarily healthy meal and, and how that impacts, you know, your, your overall uh, well-being. A lot of people, unfortunately, when, when they kind of mess up or fall off track, they start to feel guilty and frustrated. And that's obviously, you know, unpleasant emotions to experience. And then uh, to use these feelings as a reminder the next time you kind of are faced in a situation where you're busy, 
uh, and you need to make a decision on the go, you know, always rem- remember how you feel, whether you ate well or even how you feel when you didn't eat well. And that can serve as a motivation for you to make the right choices on a daily basis. But yeah, and, and just understanding how, you know, for those who live a busy lifestyle, again, working professionals, you know, as I was mentioning earlier, eating the right types of foods has a significant impact on, on your ability to focus on your productivity levels, your energy levels to, to sustain meetings and uh, and Zoom calls and all of that stuff. So, you know, buying into it, but also, yeah, just realizing how uh, how it makes you feel, I think, is can help people then start making the right choices uh, and being consistent with it. And a really important part of a choice when it comes to your nutrition is what you choose to eat on a day-to-day basis and also how much you choose to consume in terms of certain macronutrients like carbs, for example. And I've heard you speak before about the difference between carb cycling and fuel for the work required, if I'm correct in saying that that's the term you usually use. Can you run that through that? I think that'd be really valuable for a lot of people to go through because a lot of people either have the assumption that it's you know some form of carb cycling, they go high carb one day, low carb the next, or they just eat the same thing every day can you talk to us about the i think four different phases or days that you have in which you manipulate and adapt your nutrition based on what you've got going on that day yeah 100 percent. so uh, this can actually go out to professional or recreational athletes um, but it's something that you know i've learned from my practice and implement with with you know weekend warriors or, or you know people who just exercise a couple of times a week or so but also can help with things like weight loss as well um so carb cycling the general notion of it uh, or what people you know understand of it these days is um yeah as you said you know one day you probably would eat high carb the other day you'd eat low carb maybe some days no carb uh, with fuel for the work required it's, it's actually you know manipulating your carbohydrate intake um not only on a day-to-day basis but even on a meal-to-meal basis as well uh, and, and and connecting your your carb intake with your training uh, demands and intensity so that you can really, as per the title, suggest fuel your muscles for the work that is required. So there is a scale, obviously, the, there's a rate of perceived exertion scale, which um, you know measures people's uh, level of effort during their exercise. Uh, anything from an 8 to 10 uh, out of 10 would be like maximal effort. Anything between a 5 to 7 out of 10 would be, you know, uh, medium to, to, to high effort. And then anything from one to, to four out of 10 would be considered low effort. Uh, hence, it would be considered as uh, low intensity training. So people can use the skill and they can obviously with time be able to understand their body more and understand how much effort they're actually exerting in the session. Uh, but they can use that to determine you know how much carbs they need. So when you think about, let's say, someone who's trained at an eight or higher out of 10 effort wise, then that's considered to be high intensity for ind- that individual. So, you know, half the plate would be carbs quarter would be protein and the other quarter would be vegetables um if someone were to train you know um at a high effort but not entirely as intense as an eight for example then that would be medium intensity so you'd split your uh, plates in thirds so third carbs third protein third vegetables and then you know if you're doing an easy session didn't really break a sweat didn't really put much effort and, and you're anywhere between a one to four then that's a low intensity training so you know i've seen these days you wouldn't need if if you are if you anticipate such a session or you finished such a session, um, then you wouldn't need as much carb because you know that you're not going to be putting as much effort anyway, and it's not going to be as intense. So half the plate would actually be vegetables or salad. A quarter would be protein, and then a quarter would be carbs. And then, obviously, if um, you know you're on a, 
you're, you're resting, then you, you're, you don't re- really need energy per se. So you can get your carbs from like vegetables or salads. Uh, so you can portion your plate with half of protein and half of, of vegetables. That's kind of like a top level view. Now, of course, if people, you know, and in Dubai, for example, there's you know, a huge community of uh, triathletes and, um, you know, people who really take their, their training seriously. And these kind of people train, train two, three times a day. Uh, but even if you're not a triathlete and you're one who trains, let's say, twice a day, then you'd have to manipulate your carbs even on a day-to-day basis. Uh, sorry, meal-to-meal basis. So, for example, if someone, you know, a lot of people train, for example, in, um, on an empty stomach or train fasted, right? So, actually, your carbs would start the night before. So, dinner would be a great time for you to actually fuel your muscles so that you can start that fasted session, you know, having topped up your, your energy levels and, and the muscles. So, you know, you can have, and if it's, let's say, if it's a high-intensity session, then you can have that high intensity plate, so like half carbs, quarter protein, quarter vegetables, right? And then if you train the next day on in the on an empty stomach, uh, you're depending. Let's say if that was a high intensity training, just to continue off uh, my example, then obviously you'd want to refuel accordingly. And because it was a high intensity training session, then you'd still follow that high intensity plate for breakfast, right? So now let's say that person trained in the morning, but doesn't have you know, a training session in the evening, well, then that lunch plate can actually be the low intensity plate or even the rest day plate because you're not training in the evening, right? And then again, dinner time comes. Now, let's say, getting off the same example, if someone actually had an evening session after the morning session, well, then depending on the intensity of that session, then that lunch may be a medium intensity plate or a low intensity plate or even a high intensity plate, depending on on that evening session's intensity, if you know what it's going to be like. So then lunch, you'd, you'd eat accordingly. And then dinner, you'd also refuel accordingly as well, you know, depending on that evening session. So it's really kind of thinking not only day to day, but meal to meal and also thinking about your effort, thinking about the intensity of training and then being able to work off uh, backwards. Because at the end of the day, we do know that if you do consume a lot of carbs or excess carbs without burning, so if you're eating a high-intensity plate, uh, which is half carbs, on days where you're resting or days where you're training at a low intensity, well, that can then be stored with time uh, as fat, which can hinder someone's ability to lose weight and fat. So it's really about being carb smart, is, is what I like to call it. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's some sound principles for people to follow there. And something that might come along and a question I'm sure you get all the time, we even um, mentioned it in quotation marks earlier, is the quote unquote cheat meal, right? So I'm sure a lot of people will be like, well, when can I fit that into my plan? Is it something I can do on the weekend? What is your recommendation, your standpoint on that? Look, I think first and foremost, you know, having a cheat meal uh, is necessary. I, I preach balanced eating. You know, I always tell people to follow the 80 20 rule where 80% percent of the time you're, you're eating healthy clean unprocessed foods and 20 percent of the time is where you need to be eating foods that you enjoy foods that you crave uh, that's where the cheat meals can can come in right but you know keeping it at that 20 percent uh, during the week you know not trying to go overboard so i think people shouldn't feel guilty or, or ashamed that you know, they're eating cheat meals i think if anything they will help <laughs> Sometimes for me, I, I don't necessarily recommend people to do on a weekly basis because when you think about it, weekly basis is once per week, which is four times per month. And then over a year, that's quite a lot. Maybe to do it once every like 10 days or two weeks or so. Um, but, but, you know, even if you were to have your cheat meal, there are a couple of strategies that you can go about it. You know, first you mentioned 
you know, someone wanting to have a cheat meal on the weekend. Well, you know, you don't have to necessarily have your cheat meal on the weekend. And actually, if someone were to have a cheat meal during the week, uh, it does make their weekend healthier in a way, because typically weekends are where people mess up uh, and it's just filled with cheat meals. Whereas if you kind of satisfy that craving early on in the week or someday during the week, then the weekend, you might not have that craving. Um, and so it might be a, a healthier weekend than you were to experience, you know what I mean? Um, but but even if you were to have a, a cheat meal, you know, again, as part of balanced eating is to, to add some sort of healthy component to it. So let's say you were to eat a pizza or a burger with fries or fried chicken, sure. Well, maybe have a side salad, you know, or maybe have a salad as an appetizer, uh, add some greens to your meal, you know what I mean? Creating healthy swaps, maybe you don't have to necessarily have fried fries, you can have like air fried fries or oven baked fries. Uh, so finding healthier alternatives to your cravings, you know, if you were to have desserts, maybe you can add a piece of fruit in there, like uh, apple crumble or, or, you know, maybe even just have a, 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 a fruit with some yogurt as, as dessert instead of a full-on dessert after your cheat meal. So you, you can still balance it out um, accordingly to kind of lessen the ease on yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it all comes down to just, as you mentioned, the mindful and intuitive principles more so than anything. I'm even keen for people not to call them cheat meals, just call them meals, meals that are not in line with your typical day-to-day plan. And it just takes the edge off of it a little bit because I feel that once you set that premise of it being a cheat, it's like, okay, let me make the most out of this as possible. So I think if you can price like you said, some simple principles around it, you still keep your portion control mindset front of mind as well. I think that you can get away with having it from time to time. Do you think it's still a good thing to do, even if you want your results coming pretty fast? Because if I can imagine, there's always this trade-off between, okay, it might help with endurance, but then it also might set us back in terms of speed of fat loss. So do you recommend it kind of all the time to everyone? Or would you say for some people who want quicker results, it might be worth pushing it for the time being? Well, well, if we were to talk about quick results, then I would say, you know, yeah, that, that cheat meal can definitely impact, uh, you know, the, the speed at which you achieve your results, though I will kind of counter against that. And, you know, at the end of the day, I know people do want to see quick results, but actually short having that short-term thinking, that kind of quick win backfires in the long term. So I actually highly encourage people to, to have a long-term view of things and to have more of that growth mindset where you need to kind of just be patient to be able to see uh, long-term results because what ends up happen, happening nine out of 10 times is someone may lose four, five, six kilos uh, in you know a few weeks to a month. But you know I guarantee you that in, in a month or two time, not only would they have gained that weight back, but probably gained more weight than they lost. Um, and, you know, so I think it's important for people to start shifting their mindset to, to have more of a long-term view. Yes, it requires more time. Yes, it requires more effort, but it is the right way to do things. And it's, it will allow you to actually sustain the weight loss, which many people struggle with, again, because they kind of follow these fad diets and, and focus on these short-term solutions uh, that, you know, are claim things that are too good to be true and end up backfiring, you know. So sure, you can have the cheat meal. I think whatever your goal is, long-term, short-term, that, that cheat meal maybe can help just from a psychological perspective. 
But I think it's important for people to shift their mentality and, and think long term. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And what I've seen a shift of, in fact, is a lot of people going from that short term approach to long term. When clients approach me, I often have them saying, you know, I want to get in shape for X, Y, and Z, but I want to maintain this for the next, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years. Whereas earlier in my career, it was, I want to get in shape for this event full stop. And there was no real thought about thereafter so i think it's a beautiful shift that's taking place but as you mentioned so many people do struggle with the long-term sustainability so if you had to give three key principles we won't even put out a file put like three key principles for those of your people who you work with who are able to maintain their weight loss results full stop long term what would you say that they are Definitely. So first, something I already touched up on is, is mindful eating. You know, mindful eating is, is a way of eating. It's, it's again, it's, it's process oriented, it's, it's behavior oriented. And when you start to gain more awareness and eat more mindfully, make better decisions, being able to portion control, being able to understand your hunger levels, being able to understand and control your emotions and not let your emotions out on food, which a lot of people suffer from and, and which is a huge obstacle in the way for many people's uh, weight loss journey, uh, then it will allow you actually to s- sustain, um, you know, uh, eating well and hence sustain, uh, you know, the weight loss uh, over time. Uh, and there has been studies in the literature to suggest that, you know, mindful eating can uh, impact uh, weight loss. And then number two is, is building the right habits. You know, at the end of the day, uh, habits and behavior change is, is what will allow people to be able to, to eat well and, and make informed and, and correct decisions, which in turn can help with their ability to lose and maintain the weight and live a healthy lifestyle. It all comes down to habits, you know. So uh, again, habits uh, do take time. They're not easy to change uh, or replace. You know, habits are hard to break but you know kind of goes back to that idea of the long-term thinking where so long as you you are just making simple changes to the way you eat and practicing simple habits one day at a time not overcomplicating things not focusing on too many habits at once that's a key part of what we do right is we we don't only simplify the habit but we literally like focus on one habit at a time i think a lot of people unfortunately try to do too much too quick these days which makes them feel overwhelmed and go back to square one and hence back to their old habits and number three definitely you know certainly not least you know i'm a bit big advocate of of, again just focusing on on the mind Uh, that was actually you know the, the purpose of my first book which was called fill your mind before you fill your plate which is you know uh basically telling people that Whereas you may think that signing up to a gym or finding a personal trainer, signing up to a meal plan or going on a diet is your first point of contact when you want to actually achieve whatever goal you have in mind. It's actually focusing on your mind, right? Developing the right attitude, developing the right mindset, having a growth mindset, which again is down to, among other things, having a long-term view on your goals. That will allow you to kind of be easy with yourself, accept kind of the situation and not you know, itch for short-term results all the time. Uh, and that can help you actually make make you live a healthy lifestyle, right? Uh, what does a lifestyle mean? It means this is a part of who you are uh, every week, day of every week, of every month, of every year, um, and being consistent with that. And, and to do that, you know, you have to have the right mindset, you know, again, eating mindfully and building the right habits will allow you to achieve that. Yeah, it's interesting. I was going to mention your book as soon as you finished answering the question because of you mentioned mindfulness, you mentioned habits, and you mentioned mindset as well. And then the two other missing ones out of your book title was belief and sacrifice. Where do they come into it? 
Yeah, so mindset is actually the first pillar. So the, the book is about, you know, the five pillars of living a healthy lifestyle. And so the first pillar is mindset, which is kind of, you know, I just touched upon it. Belief comes second, you know, people, uh, and this comes with, you know, having a growth mindset, you know, pe- just to believe in your yourself and believe in your abilities, believe in, in your that, that you can actually achieve your goals because you, your beliefs can shape your thoughts, which in turn shape your feelings and then your behaviors. Uh, and so, you know, it, it definitely starts with, with how convinced and confident you are with, with achieving your goals. Uh, the third pillar is mindfulness. Again, you know, touching up on the idea of mindful eating, but, you know, being mindful and aware of what's happening around you, your schedule, uh, how you feel, your emotions, which all tie into your food choices and decisions. Sacrifice comes fourth. And, and the, the pillars are kind of in sequential order because, you know, without having the right mindset and believing in yourself and being mindful, then it can be hard to sacrifice. Um, and unfortunately uh, for people, sacrifice is part and parcel of, of the journey. You do have to sacrifice small things to kind of get to where you want to be. And it can be simple things, right? It, uh, you can go out with friends and family and eat at a restaurant. You can maybe eat what they eat, but maybe kind of do your own thing on the side and still, you know, be on track while enjoying your time out with friends and family, right? Or let's say you're going to a friend's house um, and you know that they always order unhealthy food, then maybe you can eat your dinner before you go to your friend's house. And that way you're enjoying your time with friends, but also you, you feel good about yourself because you've stayed on track, you know, um, maybe waking up a little bit earlier to hit the gym in the morning. So, there, you know, there's a little sacrifices on a day-to-day basis that you can do to get to where you are. And then above all, well, not really above all, but the fifth pillar is your habits, right? And so, you know, all of these things will lead to you being able to to replace bad habits with better ones and actually allow you to build better eating habits. And I can go on with, with talking about habits, but, you know, um, one thing people need to understand uh, is that there's a term called brain or neuroplasticity. It means that the brain is plastic. We can rewire our brains to form new habits, similar to how we've re- we've wired our brain to, 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 to go about our habits on a day-to-day basis. So thinking like washing your hands every time you use the toilet or brushing your teeth first thing in the morning, you know, you've done this for such a long time, you've repeated these behaviors for such a long time and actions that they become a habit. It's something that you do automatically without thinking, which is, again, another characteristic of a habit. So, yeah, you know, the, uh, this approach is not what people like to hear because, again, they like that quick win, that that, that short term uh, and quick results. But it always kind of haunts them back. And, and that's why I think people are coming to a point, as you said, where they're finally realizing that they just want to eat healthy, feel healthy, you know, and, and just sustain this kind of lifestyle. That's it. It's coming back to that high interest loan again. And the thing where people just realize that I've gone through so many of these ups and downs in the years with my dieting, with my training, with the inconsistency. I just want something that sticks and works now. And then they end up at something that does fundamentally challenge their beliefs, their habits. And as you mentioned, their lifestyle as well. And they're like, ah, this was the thing that I was resisting all this time, but the thing that truly I need. And then Fortunately, they come to a point in which they then need to integrate it. And don't get me wrong, it's a little harder than saying for six weeks, I'm going to semi-starve myself and exercise every single day because it's much longer than that. It's the next years of their life. But it's that kind of immediate pain for the long-term win versus 
yeah, being in the pain long-term to get in the quick win. So I think that you hit the nail on the head there and I completely agree. And I want to transition now onto your digitization of your consultancy and you going fully into an app. There's a lot of people who are skeptical about the work that I do, which is online coaching. There's a lot of people skeptical about, about apps as well and the effectiveness of those. How effective really are apps when it comes to weight loss goals, body composition improvements, health improvements full stop and compared to maybe something a little bit more traditional like going to the gym or going to a weight loss community center or something along those lines yeah i mean look first in, in this digital world that we're living in especially post-pandemic you know this the digitization of things have accelerated so everyone's kind of everyone has a phone everyone's more on the go i think the lifestyle we live nowadays digital solutions are are a great way to accommodate our lifestyle yeah people Maybe have may have the time to go to physical centers, but you know, uh, more often than not, it's uh, you know people want that easy access, that convenience, especially if you live in a place that you know has a lot of traffic. There, there are a lot of good apps out there. There's a lot of good apps out there for sure, and and there has been some research to show the effectiveness uh, of of such apps. I mean, you know, My Fitness Pal is, is one of them. Uh, obviously, Boom is is another one uh, that's been showing to work. You know, that's my aim with KM and what we're trying to do. You know. But look, at the end of the day, I always tell people if, you know, I don't care if you downloaded the best app in the world uh, or you're working with the best nutritionist in the world. It all comes down to you at the end of the day. It all comes down to you, your willingness, your drive, your commitment, your your motivation uh, and, and, and your desire to, to actually want to create change in your life. And it, and it starts with you. Again, if you have the best solution out there, but you're not in it, then you're not going to benefit, right? So, so yeah, that's that. But you know, um, with, with what I'm trying to do with with Kayam uh, is is provide that accountability from a human coach, and I think accountability in general uh, is is an important uh, part of the process. I think a lot of people fail uh, because they do things on their own, whereas if you have an accountability buddy, be a professional or even a friend or a family then it can make you more likely to achieve your goals. So I think apps out there that also provide that human coach on the other side, working with you side by side and guiding you, motivating you, then I think it can also be very important. And then, you know, whether it's a digital or even a physical solution. Yeah, it's interesting. I was actually doing a podcast. I released it this morning, in fact, and I was looking at the findings from the National Weight Control Registry. And they are a group that has the largest findings of weight loss. They've tracked people's weight loss from anywhere from one year all the way up to 66 years. And 55% of the successful participants all had some form of accountability in the form of a program, in the form of a trainer, in the form of a coach or something along those lines. So it does go to show the power of accountability and not just in a short-term basis and a long-term basis as well. So how is that provided exactly? If I download Kayam today, what type of accountability am I expecting? Yeah, 100%. So, you know, you'll get onboarded, we'll get to understand you better, we'll ask you some, you know, questions about your lifestyle, your habits and your goals. Uh, accordingly, we'll then match you to a personal nutrition coach who, who's there with you uh, by your side in the case that you need any support, advice or recommendations. And you obviously get tailored and personalized support when and wherever you need it. Um, and then you basically, you start tracking your meals through sharing photos of what you eat. Uh, food tracking is a very powerful and insightful tool that can actually help you achieve your health goals, you know, uh, without having to even necessarily diet. I mean, food tracking in and of itself, first of all, increases your accountability by, you know, just kind of seeing what you're eating, 
you can start to hold yourself accountable and start making changes. It can increase your mindfulness. It can help you develop the right habits. So that's why we focused on like photo sharing instead of calorie counting to make it not only easy, but to kind of create this sustainable approach without having to focus on, you know, adding and subtracting calories all day long. You know, which again is a very convenient. Uh, and then you can pick a list from our habits. We have our own unique habit building methodology that you know I've been tinkering with and you know proving out since I started my own practice. So uh, you know, we literally can help you break these habits into simpler ones, one step, and and be able to track your progress over time and and start changing your habits one step at a time. Just to give you an example, I mean, of how simple we do it, you know, let's say someone doesn't eat any fruits at all, right? Um, The the first habit that we focus on is is literally you eating one piece of fruit per day. Even though that's not the recommendation, that's kind of how we approach it, where we, we literally start with you from the ground up. Could be the same thing for water. If you're one who barely hits a liter, well, then we can focus on getting to you to that first liter and then get to where you need to be, you know, let that that two or three liter mark. And so, so, so it's, 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 it's an app that's revolved around tracking. And then we do pair you uh, with a coach as part of the free version. You can communicate with that coach once per day. It is a human coach who can monitor and see what you're doing and just provide you with that personalized support and recommendations. Uh, so kind of like getting advice easily and conveniently in your pocket, you know, and, and that's kind of the whole purpose. You know, we don't send out meal plans. We don't send out food. You don't pe- make people go on diets. It's about making the right choices on a daily basis, right? Without feeling judged or ashamed or guilty of what you eat. And just, yeah, being smart, being mindful of, of and helping you build better eating habits so that you can see long-term changes to your to your health and, and you know, ultimately live a healthy lifestyle. Yeah, it sounds like a very, very interesting approach and quite counter to the way that a lot of people are doing things as well. I had to ask, what's the best meal that anyone's ever sent that you've seen come through on the app? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, they actually, uh, they, 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 they get, they take some nice photos, but they, uh, you know, this is the thing with tracking is when, when you start tracking your meals by photo sharing and, and you know that there's someone looking at these photos, it automatically changes their, their habits, right? So we've seen some pretty good meals, but, you know, we do advocate, again, being honest and open with, with what you track and what you eat, because that will only help the coaches out. But, you know, we also want it to be a safe, non-judgmental environment where it's okay to eat these kind of foods. We've seen, I mean, the fried chickens, we've seen, obviously, there's a lot of like Arab, Arabic-based dishes, people eating the desserts. Uh, the, you know, those are always nice pictures. But it's it's really, it's it's awesome to see that when they start to track and they also can start tracking their emotions and hunger levels, and then for them to come and tell you how they're realizing, not only that they're realizing that they, they need to change the way they eat from just looking at the pictures, but by them simply tracking, you know, things like the hunger levels and emotions and, and, and them telling you how it makes them feel and how it actually motivates them to want to better their food because of this awareness that they're developing. That, that's, that's it's amazing to see, you know, and that's what we want to continually push out and spread with people. Absolutely. And on that note, what impact do you want to leave on the health and wellness industry personally and with Kaya? Yeah, with Kayam at the end of the day, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the overarching uh, driver mission, you know, as I mentioned, the obesity and diabetes uh, epidemic has skyrocketed over, over the past decade in, in the Middle East and uh, North Africa region. So, you know, to be able to positively contribute to, to that and, and be able to lower the rates and start, you know, providing 
proper education and and, and support, uh, especially through habit and behavior change. That that that's the the goal, and just to to just positively impact and transform people's lives into healthier ones. You know, uh, from a personal drive, you know, with 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 Kayam, you know, for me by 2026, I want Kayam to be the leading and most used uh, nutrition app in the region that helps people uh, live a healthy lifestyle through habit and behavior change, uh, and is top of mind for the people who want to lose weight without dieting. Perfect. I'm sure you're well on your way to that. And where's the best place for people to find you if they want to keep up with your work and the things you're doing with the app? Yeah, definitely. So the app is called Kayam. It's K-A-Y-A-M. And uh, you can follow us on Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, TikTok, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and the handle is Kayam.app. Put out pretty educational content, valuable stuff for people to learn from. Amazing. Faisal, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for being here today. Likewise. Appreciate it. And that was the Simply Fit Podcast. I hope you gained a huge amount of value from today's episode. I feel inspired to improve your health and well-being. Be sure to search for Simply Fit in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. And go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, if you like the episode, please don't forget to give it a five-star rating. I'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you have. To reach out to me on social media, you'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at Elliot Hassoun. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to talking with you all on the next one.